Hello and welcome to the first uh, Balance and Wellbeing podcast with Parents at Work. My name is Sam Eddy um, and I'll be your co-host along with Katie Walls. Welcome Katie, it's good to have you here too. Hello, hi everyone, thanks Sam. No worries, it's good to be here and it's I guess it's an exciting topic we've got today. We're um, talking about reassessing your health and well-being. Um, it's sort of early in the year still, I think we can say, even though it is March. Um, so it's a good time to talk about assessing your health and well-being. So looking forward to a great discussion. Um, but before we get into it, I just want to cover off a few, few of the basics um, in terms of the podcast today. It's a live session, which is great. So if you do have any um, comments and we encourage your comments or questions, you'll find a chat box or a chat area um, that you can put your questions in and we'll, Katie and I will keep an eye on those during the podcast. Um, and we'll sort of address as many as we can during the podcast. So um, love to hear what you think as the discussion continues or if you have any questions you've come in with that you that you are hoping to um, perhaps hear about or hear a discussion about, please feel free to put them in. You'll also see a poll we've put there, which is just a, a one question poll. Um, and, the, and the question we're asking, and we've had a few responses already is great, um, is, is what areas of your life do you, do you find us the hardest to make change in? Because today we're talking about reassessing your health and well-being, and, and part of that is sort of what, why change can be hard. So there's that poll there, there's sort of five options there. So if you can put your answers in, um, we might talk about that a bit more later as well. Um, the other thing to mention is that the session is being recorded, just so you know, um, which means it will be available um, so you can listen to it later on as well, um, which is which is quite handy. Um, but before we get into it, I just thought um, perhaps we'll do some introductions. Katie, did you want to start off and and give our listeners a, an overview of, of who you are and your background? Yes, certainly. Um, so my background, I've, I've got a strong background in complementary uh, medicine, well-being, um, support, and also human resources, corporate. So, you know, really understand the uh, logistics of working, working with family and relationships, etc. Um, and then the importance of well-being in relation to that. I've got three kids myself. I've worked throughout having the kids and, um, you know, the, the pools of life, so to speak, and um, balancing different aspects, but but also, yeah, really realising, especially at the stage of life that, that I'm at, um, to put ourselves as first priority because we really can only give what we're offering ourselves. So, um, you know, it's not indulgent in any way to, to put yourself at the top of the list um, because then you, you're giving more to everyone else. So it'll be great to explore all of this more. Look forward to this time with everyone. Yeah, Maybe that's great. That's such a good. Well, it's, it's, yeah, thanks, Katie. It's such a good. It's such a good point, isn't it? Because we often um, don't, or it's often talked about that it's not great to put yourself at the top of the list for some reason. So yeah, we can love to hear your, your thoughts a bit more on that um, in a moment. Yeah, I had to um, work just, that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, sure, I think we all can do a little bit. Yeah. So my background is um, similar to you. I've had a corporate background. Uh, mine was in marketing, so I worked in banking and finance for many years. Um, 
And then I had a bit of a change as well. I, um, I did a psychology master's and trained as a counsellor, helping people with anxiety, panic, um, related sort of disorders, if you like. And I really enjoyed that work. Um, I had always coached people in my teams within sort of the corporate world. Did a lot of career coaching, um, career development. So I sort of combined that now and now do a lot of executive coaching, um, corporate wellbeing training, um, and and obviously through the Parents at Work um, organisation, which is um, which is you know a great to do. Um, so it's um, so I've got sort of good experience both in the corporate world and also helping clients on a one-to-one basis. So similar to you, yeah. Katie, really. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and and also just with your comments um, about um, you know being here and having this time to um, not hold back with the questions that people have because everyone can relate to it in their own way. So um, it allows us to be more specific to to areas as well. So just on that note, if we can close that polls, um, then um, we can um, have the slide back up. And, okay, great. Um, I'll do that yeah. now. So I suppose um, our intentions, you know, we've put this time aside where we're obviously very interested in um, seeing what gets in the way of our well-being, and we'll have different flavours with that. Um, Sam, what have you found in your experience that's been perhaps challenging or, or that gets in the way of your best intentions with your well-being? Well, I think it's, um, it's really interesting because um, immediately we sort of discussed doing this topic, the thought came to mind of um, those New Year's resolutions because it's often a time where we decide to make some change um, and often it's relating to our well-being. So when you're um, perhaps taking some time off from work, um, I know it's the same for me, you're a bit more relaxed, you've got more time, you're not sort of running around looking after kids or at work um, in a busy environment. So you you sort of thinking slows down a little bit, life slows down a little bit, and you get sort of more brain space, if you like, uh, for want of a better word, just to think, okay, well, what is it I want to be doing to make myself happier? Uh, I might want to get fitter at the gym, perhaps lose a bit of weight, um, do something different in my career. And and it feels like a really good thing to do at the time, and it is a good, good, good thing to do. But the interesting thing for me is that when you then go out of that environment where you're perhaps on holidays, life's a bit slower, it's a bit more chilled, and then you're back in sort of a, a busy corporate existence where um, time just disappears really quickly, it can feel a lot harder to make those changes that we, we decided upon perhaps a month or weeks previously. Um, so it's really interesting for me how the power of the environment which we're in can in, impact our thinking and ultimately our decisions to change um, or, or not to do, not proceed to do something that's going to be beneficial for our health and well-being. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because I know on holidays or if you've had that space, you know, you could be really clear of going, these are the aspects that I know I need to focus on to support myself more and back into the busyness of life being pulled in different areas, you know, the intentions are there, but we allow the focus to go to, go to different areas and I've definitely felt you know at first it can feel a bit challenging it's like when you're starting a new um, a new support or if you're integrating exercise or 
you know, if you if you've said, yeah, I want to focus on three days a week exercise, etc., um, mm. that things will come into get in the way of that consistency. But it's like it pays off, and it might just be. And we'll be talking about more of this because um, I think I just wanted to go back to the poll. Um, Sam, is it yeah. still that was it? That 63% wanted to focus or felt exercise was getting in the way, and then yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's relationships. Such a good point. Yeah, well, so we've got um, 62% of people felt find you know exercise the most difficult in regard to change, um, and then the rest are similar. So um, food, relationships, sleep, and career are also significant. Um, just a little bit under exercise. So it is interesting how exercise is that one that can be quite hard. Why do you think that is, Katie? Well, looking, you know, having our body looked after in exercise, you know, when we're we're exercising and we're feeling more vital, it supports your sleep. It actually, Mm. so it's really cool. Look at relationships being in there. We can very much focus on that as well because it's our relationship with everything in life. So what is our relationship with exercise? And knowing it's not just, you know, for the body to look good, it actually is going to improve our sleep and our quality of sleep as well. It allows the body to, um, yeah, when we're exercising and our cells respond to that, et cetera. And if we're consistent with the exercise, then it's um, supporting our food choices as well. If your body is not feeling as drained in certain areas or is feeling a bit more vital. So it's looking at what is our relationship is food, with food, when do we feel like the sugar or the stimulating food, et cetera, and just playing with it a bit in relation mm. to exercise. Looking at what your expectations are. Are they realistic? Now, let's be honest. If, if I, for example, hadn't exercised for quite some months, I'm not going to go straight into high cardiovascular exercise. I'm going to go, and this is where a lot of our best intentions don't, they're not sustainable because we're not going, where am I in relation to all of that? What's realistic? Am I building up to to a level of exercise or am I putting my body in expecting to be able to do um, an hour when I'm really going to have the vitality to do it? Then I'm going to feel drained after I exercise. Then I'm going to have to motivate myself more to be consistent in my exercise. So it's a ripple-on effect versus saying, mm. what do I enjoy doing? What forms of exercise actually do I enjoy versus what I feel I'm going to get the best results to look good or um, what I think I should be doing in relation to exercise? Yeah, I think that's a good point. So, I mean, would you say then, this is some of the some of the work I'm I do some clients is often about um, trying to create a bit of awareness around what your motivation is then perhaps for the change. So if you can try to try to step back from to say you say, look, I want to get fitter Mm. and then look at your motivation and go, you know, what is it I want? Why do I want to get fitter? Perhaps I want to be more active with the kids, for example, or um, I'm just feeling a bit sluggish or tired and exercise might help. So do you think it's important to really be clear on what your goal is or what your and, and that way you can then, it's probably easier to find a, a way that's more sustainable to, to reach that goal? Yeah, definitely. Because if we're, if we're exercising to please our wife who wants us to lose five kilos or, um, you know, because we've got pressure from family or, or 
we want to, you know, lose that 10 kilos, etc. It's not going to be enough. It's not going to be sustainable mm-hmm. because you lose the weight and then what happens? Are you going to be motivated to exercise? Most probably not. And then, you know, will you go back into the eating patterns that perhaps you've had previously? So it's like we've got to go a bit deeper. And, and that's what's really cool with going, well, why am I not consistent with it? Have you personalised your exercise program to really meet you? Have you given yourself that opportunity what you enjoy doing? What's realistic? If you're finding you're really pressured with time, perhaps you don't have three hours or perhaps it's not realistic to have three hours of exercise per week. Start with half an hour. That's much better than not doing anything. And you may really mm. enjoy walking. You get so much out of walking or swimming. That's great for the body. So don't feel, you know, look at our picture of if I think I have to be running to to exercise, well, run, you know, it's pretty hard on the body. It's hard on our joints, et cetera, and that might not be right for you. You may enjoy um, interaction with exercise and be motivated that way to have team sports. Um, so great, join up to a team sport or you may have friends that um, are wanting to exercise as well. So that you can you can do that together, or with the family if you're feeling pressured time-wise, going for a walk with the family is great. Yeah, it may not be at the speed if you've got little kids that you want, but but you can integrate it. And if you're walking with a partner, then you know they can they can play with the kids in the park a bit while you do um, you know a brisk walk. Like there's so many different ways we can integrate exercise, but we often get set with a picture of what we think it is. But you've got to go. Does that meet my lifestyle as well? Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I often talk about um, when you're setting goals um, is to have a really clear intention, but not not necessarily fixed on on how you get there. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. So I'm up, for example, if I want to be a bit healthier, um, and it might and, and like what you were saying before, Katie, you were talking about that. You know, if you want to be fitter, then from an exercise perspective, then it really helps. To look at all areas of your life because if you're not eating right that will impact it if you're super busy at work it's going to be harder to exercise um, if you're sleeping badly you might feel more tired during the day so the motivation to exercise might drop off a bit so it's good to have that um, awareness i guess of all areas of your life um, when you're kind of trying to establish these goals and then when i um, say you have a clear intention just be sort of clear, okay, so I know I want to sort of maybe perhaps improve things by 10%. Um, and I'm going to try different things. As you said, it, I might try running or walking fast. Then I might sort of jog for, um, even if it's 20 metres to start with, and then you might jog a bit more. So you're sort of giving your body a time to adjust. And, and, and by being open with an intention, you sort of open to trying different things. And so if you if one thing doesn't work, it's not going to perhaps then stop you from moving forward. You're going to go, okay, that's not working for me now. I'm going to look yeah. for something else. I'm going to get a group of friends together to sort of just to get me out of the house, just to just start go for a walk or or to meet someone at the gym um, or to sort of, you know, let's go grab a salad together, you know, with some, you know, really nutritious vegetables or whatever it is if you're trying to, change your eating habits, for example. Mm, Yeah, exactly. So having that flexibility allows for more consistency as well. And and if you're tired, if you've had, for example, a really bad night's sleep and you feel like you're having to slug yourself through something, 
stop and go, actually, no, I'm not going to do that many repetitions today at the gym or, yeah, I'll, I'll just go for a 15-minute walk. That's much better than nothing. But listening to your body, you're less likely to actually have injuries. A lot of the injuries people have is where they're not listening to the body. They're pushing through. Um, so, you know, really have that relationship with your body that, you know, and other times we can feel, well, I'm not being committed if I don't do that and we can be really hard on ourselves. Well, actually, if you listen to your body, then you're going to have probably more energy for the next day anyway. And, um, you know, just make sure that you're not being hard on yourself. Another another thing too is when we're starting something new, let's say, for example, an exercise program, and it's important to us, do we share that with if we've, if we've got family or um, you know, a partner that can help support with the responsibilities with looking after the kids, saying, well, this is really important to me, it's something I want to really give a go, you know, can I have your support? Then, then talk about how you'll arrange that with your other responsibilities in family. And that's just mm. one example. But often, yeah, we're not communicating and open to, you know, sharing that and then people are going to be more supportive of us be it in our family or with our people we live with or whatever that unit looks like um, so that you can have the support as well. Yeah, great. And do you think that, I mean, something I also talk about, which which what you said just made me think of, is the idea of transparency. Mm. So not because you have to confess everything that you're doing, but just to sort of be the more open you are, um, as you say, the more you can bring people in so to the conversation so that um, if things are going a bit tough or um, the motivation drops to make the change or you're sort of wavering as we all do from time to time, you can talk about it to someone and, and you can yeah. sort of ride out those waves of tension that often come in yeah. that try and almost put us off track. And so if you're bringing other people in and you've got an, a little bit of an outlet to discuss it, it's more likely that you can sort of get out of your own head a bit and not overthink it and then still proceed on the journey to the change, yeah. to making the changes you want. Exactly. And that's what I hear in, in clinic as well. You know, people, they've, they've set um, a way of, or they've put together something that's really important to them with their time. It might even be having more time for themselves to, um, you know, look after their body in certain ways. And, you know, the comment can upset come up saying but I'm just finding this pressure from people or I'll be committed for a while and then you know my husband's tired he's had a big day and then I'm going honey I'm going to the gym that doesn't go down so well etc so that's that's what we're talking about it's going look at what the um, obstacles are expressing exactly as you say Sam having that transparency to communicate this is really important to me but what it also does is it gives the other person the opportunity to go hey I'm not having any time for myself yeah we can do this together Let, let's factor mm -hmm. in that time for you and then I'll likewise do it and then you'll find it brings a deeper intimacy to your relationships as well because you can feel you're working as a team more yeah absolutely yeah I really like that so it might be a little bit challenging at first, but you know, it, it pays off. Sorry. Yeah, well, I'm sort of. Yeah, no, I'm just sort of tracking our conversation as we go, and I've just, um, just I think I've finally shared those poll results, so everyone can see them. So hopefully, everyone can see those now. So you might get a sense of where you're at compared to um, what other people's priorities are. But I was just thinking, in terms of a bit of pro a process that people can follow. Um, 
you know, we could sort of suggest, and I often suggest this a lot around, um, you know, writing down what your intentions are. So perhaps if you've, um, most of us have perhaps one goal in mind initially, or one priority. So just, for example, if I'm reflecting the poll results, it could be exercise. So the first step could be, okay, writing down and often say it's good to do it on paper because you're sort of reflecting back and you're um, confirming if the goal's right for you as you write these things down. Write down on a bit of paper what's your priority to make change. Um, write down what your motivation is. So that could sort of be the first step. And then what, what is your intention? What just sort of do you want to get out of it? So if it's exercise, perhaps you might just want to get more energy back and you think to do that you might need to lose some weight or just get a bit fitter. So you might be able to, you might want to start running. So sort of put that down on paper. And then the second thing could be to um, really bring awareness of the other areas of your life. So if you're looking at that poll, um, what are the other areas of the life that might become, I think you mentioned ob obstacles just before, that might be obstacles or things that you can um, help support that goal. So looking at your workplace or your career. Um, sleeping habits, you know, relationships, um, sort of at home, at work, um, and then obviously your diet and food. So really just noting things that perhaps you think, oh, okay, yeah, that, that look, noting those things. You don't have to do too much perhaps initially, but just noting, okay, perhaps I need a bit more flexibility at work to sort of ensure I get my exercise in daily, if that's what your goal is, for example. Um, and then maybe eat less sugar or, or cut down on the caffeine during the day to help with sleep, as an example. And then the third thing could be to, you know, think about who else you can bring into the conversation to help support you. That perhaps, as you said, Katie, might be able to come on the journey with you. So it might be a partner, might be a work colleague, um, someone that you think is open to what you're doing and he's going to help uh, listen to you when, when, it, when you sort of perhaps struggling a little bit to keep on track, but also can come along with you on the journey. So that could be a good way to help people start tracking, um, you know, ways to sort of implement the change they want and, and sort of keep on track. Mm, yeah, it makes it really practical as well. And then just seeing the shifts that you've made looking back. And um, it, it's fantastic what you're introducing, Sam, because especially with this program, it, um, this podcast, it, when parents at work, when we were consulting and, and, and putting it together, it, it's very much um, each session can build on the next too. So mm -hmm. you, know, you want to have the book that you put these observations and reflections into. And then during the week, you know, you'll start to see a bit of a pattern and we can definitely address some of those aspects in our, in our next podcast with your questions. Um, so that, you know, you've got that personal support as well as you're going through the program and um, all of yes. the different aspects that we'll be talking about. Yeah, great. Mm. Um, are there, are there any questions um, Not at this stage. So, if you, yeah, if you do have any questions, um, just remember you can jot them down in the chat, in the chat, um, in the chat area, and then we'll, we'll sort of get to them if we can. Um, so feel free yeah, to put them in the, in the chat area um, and we can answer them this time or next time. Uh, but, yeah, looking, to, looking forward to hearing, hearing your views and, what, and how you're going with change or any questions about how you can um, sustain your change uh, would be great. But, Katie, I was just going to suggest while we um, 
see if any questions come in, um, was to talk about default patterns that mm. might become, or patterns of behaviour that we all sabotage. have. <laughs> Self-sabotage, I think you yeah. said to me the other day. Yeah, um, they're great. Self-sabotage. Yeah, I'm, I'm really starting to work with mine on a deeper level and, and just go, oh, that's tricky. And you start to see mm. how tricky we can be. It's like, oh, really? So, you know, looking at it, that we've got that aspect of ourselves, especially when we look at our intentions, we've got the aspect of ourselves that wants to support. It's there. And then if we look, we've got this other aspect, continuously both of them together, wanting to, you know, be that two-year-old, no, I don't want to do it or be stubborn or... Um, subconsciously sabotaging as well. Mm. So it's just like if you're having a good day, you're more aligned to the part of yourself most probably that wants to support yourself. And then what happens then when you get the stresses and strains of life? Are you able to hold yourself with that aspect of ourself that wants to support? Or do you find you're more likely to align to that aspect that goes, oh, it's too hard or, you know, I've had a hard and eat something that you know is going to spin you out and send your blood sugar levels crazy and then you're going to get tired and your sleep's not going to be as good. So it's really great to see what our triggers are because what stresses me might be different to what stresses you, Sam. And and I'm starting yeah. to see more of what triggers me and then and to clock it. So it might be, you know, in the middle of it, but you're having to observe it, etc. And you know that there's stuff to address, but you're a bit scared too because of reactions, etc. Well, at times I'm I'm fine and I'm centered. And if I've been looking after myself, and if we bring it back to well-being, mm. if I'm consistent, I'm much more equipped to deal with that. Versus if I haven't, then I'll automatically want to eat because that's my sabotage. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> it's crazy. I'll start to think of you know, even if it's nuts. Sure, you can say that's healthy, but if I'm not hungry. It's actually more work for my body if I'm eating it or it might be something sweet or whatever mm. it happens to be. So feeling what your sabotage, whereas someone else I was talking to the other day that said, oh, I just feel like removing myself from society when things like ha that happen. I just want to withdraw. I want to mm. retreat. So that's her flavour of sabotage. Another person that might be, yeah, the, the reward things, you know, they'll feel like going shopping or I'm watching TV, just checking out watching TV, then they end up staying up really late, then they end up being really tired the next day. So it's great to see those flavours. What about you, Sam? What what have you observed with um, sabotage? Oh, look, it's such a good topic. And I always recommend also, and um, very, very similar to what you've talked about, and we all have our own um, escapes, if you like, or our own little things. Um, that we probably know we do, but I find it really helps to also write them down, especially yeah. if you're putting a bit of a plan together and sort of, and if you perhaps if you're just say a lot of people sign up for the gym, you know, especially in the new year and then perhaps by March, they haven't perhaps gone as much as they want. So I often use specific examples and go, okay, well, what hasn't worked for me before? So what, and what happened during those moments where I was going to go to the gym and for example, I didn't. And often it can be, oh, I'm too tired. Um, and, or it is, oh, I'm too busy. I've got to stay back at work. And, and those, and so on a practical level, sometimes, of course, you might be busy at work and you can't go. But often, um, and I like what you said before, Katie, about our minds being tricky. Often we can sort of convince ourselves or that voice of doubt rages in our mind. 
And we probably um, self-sabotage often when on a practical level, we could probably in real, realistic terms get to the gym if we wanted using that example. So I find the more we write them down um, and go, yep, have awareness of them, the next time they come up, there's a bigger chance that you're going to go, oh, okay, I get that. That's just my voice of doubt raging. <laughs> um, because because the body often doesn't like change either. We sort of, we, we form these habits over a lifetime. And when we try and something, introduce something new, um, we sort of don't like change. And we can often feel a bit of um, tension um, that can bluff us into not following through with that change. So, um, and often that can be a form of a bit of adrenaline, a bit of stress, the stress response activating, sort of thinking, oh, no, no, it's going to be too hard to go to the gym or when you get there, you won't be able to do the exercises you want or you're not fit enough yet, so you shouldn't go or some people are, um, are self-conscious at the gym, so the voice of doubt can say, oh, you know, you shouldn't go yet, you need to lose a bit more weight first or you need to get fitter. So we all have these different triggers um, and if the more we, we talk about them, and become aware of them, it's almost like we can unmask them and go, okay, I get that. I get this is one of my triggers. I'm just going to, you know, slowly move forward beyond it. And, and that's what I also talk about a lot and see with clients. Um, to have real success with this sort of stuff and make these changes, the more you can slow down your life, just sort of 5% or, or slow things down, slow, slow down your decision-making processes, um, and just slow down the pace of life. And it, it might literally be something like walking slower to work, um, walking slower within your house, just taking a bit more time because if you've got a bit more time, um, your, your thinking is a bit slower and you're less likely to be um, to, to be bluffed, if you like, by your own triggers or um, self-sabotaging patterns that we've, we've sort of formed in the past, if that makes sense, Katie. Yeah, definitely. And it's really cool what you were saying, um, that our excuses, like if we're really exploring this and looking at the flavours of sabotage that we use, is that often they can be very valid excuses. And, and that's why we've got to go, well, why is it that year to year to year I've still got these intentions, I still haven't, you know, had the time for exercise. Each year New Year's comes around and I'm still saying the same things. So from a society point of view, I mean, that's commitment to go, wow, I've got this report due, I'm going to just have to finish it. Well, I've realised that that actually is part of my excuse. I'm very committed to work. I'm a hard worker, but I use that to sabotage myself because I will always have a valid reason. And no one can criticise that and say, you know what, yeah, you can actually just stop doing that now because people are wanting the deadlines and they're wanting what you're actually producing. But if we're not actually being the bigger picture coordinator of this, no one else is going to be. So you will always have something that you could be doing because we live very, very busy lives. I just hear a bit of yes. tapping um, on the mic. Um, so, so it is actually prioritising just as you would that meeting, just as you would uh, an appointment that's really important. Like this, this is this is just as important as all of that, because the return you're going to get is going to actually give you more clarity um, to be more present in the moment anyway. If you're looking after your body and if you're being realistic with, with your exercise expectations, 
So it's like we trick ourselves to say we're too busy to do it, but actually it's the opposite. We're too busy not to do it. We're too busy not to have that space. You might say, I just don't have time for myself. Well, that you know, we're just going to be living on this um, hamster wheel if we keep doing that versus saying, no, I'm scheduling time in because I'm important. If I look after myself, then I'm actually going to be more effective with everything else that I'm doing anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, we've just got a couple of questions, Katie. Um, so we had one um, from someone asking about um, smoking being their self-sabotaging behaviour. Yeah, that's a good um, one. So I just wonder if you have any thoughts on that. I know that um, it's sort of got an additional element, isn't it? Because it, there's, um, there's a, a physical response that obviously smoking generates through the nicotine. Mm. Um, but just wondering if you've got any thoughts, initial thoughts on, on that and how any advice around ways to sort of deal with the smoking as a self-sabotaging behaviour. Yeah, and um, I think also great, great question. If we can bring it a bit broader to go, actually, we've got perceptions of what's worse than other things. But if we look at it from sabotage and, and smoking's hard to break that happen, habit because of the nicotine mm -hmm. and the effect it has on our body but that's no different to someone who's gorging on food for example or mm -hmm. um, drinking too much alcohol or um, you know staying up really late at night I mean that torture lack of sleep is torture so mm -hmm. I'd love to just you know society gets these pictures of well at least I'm not doing that or at least I'm not doing this but if we look at it from an energetic perspective of what it does on the body we're often kidding ourselves that really we can say one form of sabotage, sure, it might be more obviously damaging, but there's a lot of other things we're doing that actually have the same effect overall. So bringing yes. it back to the question, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there because we can we can get tricky and, and go, well, I'm not too bad because of this or that, but be personal with, with what it is for you because it's really cool to start shifting these patterns that we've had for a long time and getting frustrated with. Smoking, you know, you understand why people like it because it actually, the when you inhale, it's warming up your lungs. So there yes. is a comfort aspect to it and, and then you crave that and then you can feel empty at times if you're not having that warmth. So as you deepen your self-care and, and, you know, that loving relationship for yourself, that really supports with breaking any habit of addiction. Exactly, as I, agree, I said, yeah. the sabotage that comes in. Because if we're going, okay, I'm going to stop smoking, but we're not addressing our relationship with ourselves, it's really hard for the body because it's going, but, hey, I've got tension and I'm using the smoking to reduce that tension so I'm not feeling mm. it. You're taking away the smoking, but you're not addressing your other stuff. Actually, that's cruel. Yeah. Just putting it out yeah. there versus well, going, I mean, okay, sorry, I was just going to say versus saying, I'm going to look at my um, reliance on the smoking or drinking or caffeine or sugar, whatever it is. But I've also got to respect that my body is telling me that it's stressed, hence why I've got this reliance on whatever it happens mm. to be. So it kind of, it, it's great to go, we're in control of a lot here. And, and it's not that the smoking controls us. It's just a vice that we're using because we're actually not going deeper with our self-love in our relationship with ourself and our, our care for ourselves. Back to you, Sam. Yeah. 
No, I love it. I mean, I love what you said, I love what you said at the start as well about, um, well, yes, it does have a, a, an additional component of the nicotine, but at the same time, the more we the more we make it and even characterise it in our mind as being, oh, smoking's extra difficult, it will be extra difficult yeah, as one of those self-fulfilling prophecies, isn't it? Whereas yeah. if you go, well, look, it's a habit, um, yes, mm-hmm. it will be, can be tough at times, but there are always moments with any change, like you were saying, with anything else, that um, there's a moment where it comes to a point where you either go and pick up a cigarette or you don't, or you go and eat that donut perhaps or something that, you you know, you, choose, you, you might otherwise choose not to. And there's a there's like a choice point, isn't it? And it's very similar yeah. no matter what 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 unhealthy habit we're, we're doing. Um, and I find the more awareness we have around it, um, so the more we're going, oh, okay, this is one of my triggers, this is a, a habit, you've got more power to make another choice. And if you're looking after all areas of your life, so if you're running around um, on a crazy busy work schedule, there's more chance because you, you lot, your head's lost in work and busyness, um, there's less chance you'll have awareness to go, actually, no, I'm not going to go outside and have a cigarette. I'm just going to grab a glass of water, go for a walk around the block, um, do something else, have an apple instead. You're more likely to go to those default behaviours because you've got no clarity of mind. And it, yeah. the same again, yeah. you're tired, you had a bad night's sleep before, there's a more chance that you will pick up a cigarette the next day. Yeah, exactly. It's like an accumulative effect. But also mm. when you feel the craving, be it for a cigarette or some of the other vices that we've used is just stopping for a moment and going, okay, what am I reacting to? There's a tension yes. here and it's it's either something I'm not wanting to address, something I'm not wanting to feel, something I'm agitated about and, and the list goes on. But just give yourself a moment to clock it. Even if you do go and have whatever it is, that that's okay because you're starting to work with what's happening underneath as to why you're going to those vices. Yes. Thanks for that, Katie. Um, just to just come back to the questions, um, we've got a few more, which is great. So thank you for the, the question on the smoking. Um, a couple of people said they couldn't hear. I know the line drops out occasionally. So if you just bear with us, hopefully um, hopefully it will pick up, but I think it's, it seems to be okay now. Um, there was a question, um, will the recordings be available online? And they will be through, I think, the portal that you log into. So yes, it will definitely be available um, to listen to after um, through the portal. Um, and on that point of the um, portal, but you do have to mm-hmm. register for each podcast to get um, access. So just because you've registered to this one, each one you need to register for. So I just felt to add that in. Yeah, great, absolutely. Yep, good point. Um, and I've just got another question. Um, So are facing particular, particularly challenging situations and a few behaviours to improve it? Oh, here we go. Is there a strategy, sorry, that is best to ease into better change when you are facing particularly challenging situations and a few behaviours to improve it? Right, just so I've got that question correct, a, a process for integrating change. Yeah, so easy, just a process for, or a strategy to ease into it when you're facing something particularly challenging. Mm, yeah, that's a great question. So, and I think, mm. so I was just going to start off, Kate, I think back to what yeah. I was saying at the start, just to, 
we sort of want to get a bit of perspective, don't we? Because when we're in a situation that's stressful, um, often it's hard to see the wood through the trees. So you know yourself if you've been really busy and your mind is tired, um, you might be physically tired as well, and you've got a problem and often you can't, you can only, your anxiety levels might be raised a bit, so you're probably often getting unhelpful thoughts and we tend to, when we're stressed, look look towards the negative. So we can, it's harder to be have real clarity around the situation. So the first step on the way into this and to ease into um, behaviours is to, um, I think, just try and get a bit of perspective on your situation. So it might be writing it down, as we said at the start. So writing down what is going on for you at the moment that's really tough, that you want to change, and having real awareness around it. Um, and also putting down those triggers. What are, what are your triggers? What are your behaviours that often cause you to self-sabotage? But I was just going to touch on, I'm keen to hear what you think, Katie, is around how do you prioritise yourself as the number one? Because you mentioned that at the start. Mm. There's definitely a perception out there, um, you know, if you have time for yourself that um, it's indulgent, you know, generally society speaking, and, and mm. it gets pulled around quite a lot and referred to quite a lot. But again, I, and we've commented already um, beforehand that we're too busy not to. We've got, like today in life, it, there's a lot that we're covering. There's a lot of responsibility. So if we're wanting to do that and if we're wanting to give our all in all those situations, then it's a responsibility to look after yourself. It's a responsibility to have the space, to have the clarity so that, so that you feel full for whatever you're doing. So I'd tip that completely on its head and say actually it's taking responsibility. And, and sometimes we do have to claim that time because of expectations or if we have been a people pleaser, for example, find it hard to say no, then all of our friends and our colleagues are used to that. So when you start to shift, and this is a sabotage too, we've created that because it's convenient, we get acceptance, etc. So when you start to shift those patterns within yourself, you are going to get reactions for people because they're just used to the relationship being a certain way. But so this is really cool to go, well, why, why do I find it hard or why do I not sustain that? So as you start to commit more to your own well-being, it does bring up things for other people because it exposes their choices that they're making. And they may not overtly display that, but there are shifts that take place. I know when I really started to take responsibility in the family more for that, you know, mm -hmm. I had a few comments from my husband like, oh, that's lovely that you can go and have a bath. You know, I've had a really busy day. I'd love to have a bath. And it was hard for me because, I'm, as I said, I, you know, very focused on work. But I knew that I was neglecting an aspect of myself that then was compromising everything else. But what was really cool with that, as I started to do that more, I noticed he was starting to care for himself more. And he'd say, look, I'm just going to go for a walk. Or do you want to go for a walk together? And so it added nice, that, yeah. Yeah, that depth of intimacy that we were talking about before to the relationship. And what was even super cool was that I noticed the kids started, they started to prepare their food more or they started to put their clothes out at night because they saw me doing it. And I went, whoa, I've been doing it the hard way with parenting of you should do this, you should do that. Versus <laughs> actually making those shifts yourself and they can feel the loveliness of it. And it's like they want that too. It's almost a shift in energy. It's contagious. It? Yeah, it's contagious. 
But I'd love to also bring it back to the question, um, all of this being relevant, but when we look at um, just the comment of saying particularly difficult situations, often when we find ourselves in those where they feel really intense, it's because there's, it's like accumulation of various aspects in life. Because again, what I might say, oh, I've got this really intense, difficult situation. Sam, you might go, oh, for me, that's not an issue. I'm okay with that. And it could be relationship yeah. breakups, could be, you know, really big things or things being exposed. But it's a good opportunity to go, okay, I'm feeling the intensity of this, but I've got a great opportunity to evolve here. I've got a great opportunity to express more than perhaps what I have been Perhaps I've been avoiding aspects and because of that accumulation of the avoidance, I've got this intense situation that I've got to deal with. So rather than us approaching it like life is hard, it's like, okay, it is hard, it is tense, I get that, but I've got an opportunity to really step up here and every conversation I have or every decision I'm making has an opportunity to either support me and mm. therefore others or it doesn't. Yeah, great. I love it. Um, and I was just going to add to that too. I think um, the question also sort of talked about a really particularly challenging situation. And I often talk about adding in like anchors. So having kind of key anchors in your life that kind of bring you back to awareness of your situation. So you might have perspective on your situation at the start. You might write your problems down or the situation you're trying to change down. But often when you then go off a few weeks later or a few weeks, months later, you can sort of go off track and it might be a slight change. Even if you go off track one degree, the longer you go off track, the bigger the gap is between where you want to be and, and where you are. Um, so I, the idea of anchors is, of, is often, I might be, and we talked about this sort of a little bit earlier, is having someone to talk to. So you might have a regular catch up with someone who's on the journey with you or just a, a touch based to go, okay, um, you know, where am I at? Am I on track to where I want to be? Um, am I being hard on myself in the process? Often we're often really hard on ourselves and that can um, do the opposite of what we want to achieve. It can actually put us on, off on, on track even more because everything becomes too hard. We're negative, we create more tension. So often talking to someone or having a check-in point on a regular basis where we're going, okay, how am I going? Can alleviate a lot of that pressure. Um, the parents at work team have coaches. Um, you do a lot of coaching and um, client work yourself, Katie. So I'm a huge fan of taking those, um, using those coaches or it could be a friend, a mentor, someone who's going to understand and give you time just to talk um, and space that you can get out of your own head just to use as a sounding board, if nothing more, to really help keep you on track when things are especially challenging. And often when you make those appointments or you have a check-in coming up in four weeks' time, I find that I know when I've used a coach and I often use a coach, it, my, pro, my thinking starts to change. Oh, I'm going to catch up with my coach in three weeks or two weeks or I'm catching up next week. You know, where am I at? So you already start checking in with yourself before you even speak to someone. Yeah. And that could be really useful in, in sustaining particularly difficult changes. Yeah, definitely. And and we don't have to, you know, put on a brave face. Um, you know, it's quite humbling just to say every human being needs support of, of another and we don't have all the answers, et cetera. But often, especially in corporate environments, um, 
and again, it's not saying we need to indulge um, also, you know, let everyone know everything that's going on in our life, but do we put pressure on ourselves to be a certain way because we think that's what the role requires versus we are human and we're all human. If we start relating more on that human level, like you don't have to say, yep, I'm brilliant, I'm great, just, yeah, I'm feeling a bit tired today or, yeah, I'm okay. But just look at the pressure that you put on yourself and it relates very closely to the perfectionism. Perfectionism's a plague. It, it, it's, it, it's huge. And, um, you know, the expectations we have on ourselves, then it makes it hard because it's like you're not being authentic. You're, you're, you know, you're saying you have to be a certain way in these different environments. That, that's, yes. um, that's definitely something just to, to feel the expectations you're putting on yourself. Are you being realistic with whatever um, you'd like to integrate? Are you expecting too much at once? Just little shifts make a huge difference. Even if you said, okay, this week I'm going to exercise three times a week or this week I'm going to really start looking at when I'm craving sugar, what's happening, what's happening in my interactions with people, um, what's triggering this. Is it that actually I'm tired, I didn't get to sleep the night before, so by 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you know, I'm really feeling it and I'm, I'm wanting the sugar to pick me up or the reward thing when you come home at work, do you do really well during the day but then come home and eat all this stuff that you know isn't going to support you or check out in front of the TV when there's other things that you know if you started preparing for your next day that would support you. So it's just being really lovely, loving with that internal dialogue. If your thoughts are really negative, just catching them and going, I'm not giving you any time. You know, I, I deserve more than that from myself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love it. It's um, such good advice. And I think, um, you know, um, the more, more we can create a, a real awareness around our thinking and really catch ourselves in the moment, um, you know, the, the better we'll be. Yeah. I'm just sort of looking at time and um, and we've sort of got a, sort of 10 minutes left. And I know um, we, we've talked about a little bit around um, – when we're trying to make change and being lost in your head and um, perhaps the need to slow down a bit to really have a put yourself in the best place to be able to make a change and sustain it, often we need to create a bit of space between ourselves and the change we want to make um, or ourselves and our, our busy lives just so we can get our thoughts together, have a bit of clarity of mind. And I think one way to do that is... Um, just doing something you love, so getting time out, looking after yourself, um, doing an activity where you're fully present in the moment, doing something you love. But one of those ways is also to, to do um, sort of a meditation. And Katie, we spoke about, um, you know, you're a great meditator, I believe, and um, it's something you enjoy. And I think we talked about you leading us through one today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's a really practical tool. There's meditations that, you know, you have to sit in a certain way and um, visualise different things, et cetera, but often that, that's not practical and we don't, we don't have to do that. If you're sitting comfortably, um, what's great about it, it's, it's just called the gentle breath meditation. And what it does, it, it allows you to let go of what's happening around you, connect to your breath, and often mm. we're not actually breathing our natural breath. If we've been living with a lot of anxiety using the upper diaphragm, 
and often it's a rapid breath so you're not actually using all of your lungs and actually if we bring it back to the question about smoking you know this is a great support tool because if you start to allow your breath to be in the whole of your lungs that feels really nice too and there's a warmth that comes from that as well um, with this meditation we, we will be closing our eyes but you don't have to do that in the car you can just simply focus on the breath at the end of your nose feel that breath coming in and it just helps you center back to your body to help create that space that you were talking about Sam um, especially okay, when there's a lot going on so if everyone's okay just to spend a couple of minutes um, with this meditation and it's something that if you enjoy um, you can definitely integrate when you wake up in the morning often we wake up we're thinking about what we need to get for dinner or a meeting we need to prepare for we're not even out of the bed you know have you actually woken up and said yeah how am I feeling today and then what happens with that is you're just in your head and you're in a momentum and we've actually left our body behind another example of that which is really practical I don't know if anyone can relate to this is when you're in the shower and you might go okay have I shampooed my hair yeah I've shampooed am I up to conditioner or have I washed under my armpits it's just like well where are we then if we're not actually with our body whilst we're having a shower which is a great space to have time mm. with yourself and just to be there so the relativeness of, of giving those examples is this meditation helps create that space it helps to to just feel your own breath in your body um, you may find that your mind's really racy well what that does is it exposes how you're living if you're living racy in your head you're going to feel it or if you sit down to do the meditation you start to feel tired it's because you've given yourself space to feel your body and your body's actually exhausted so you, you can bring that honesty to go yeah how am I feeling so let's let's get into it just sitting comfortably wherever you happen to be if you're in a, in an area where you don't really want to close your eyes that's okay just look down it is lovely to close your eyes but yeah make it relative to how you're feeling so that you're going to be comfortable in whatever environment you're in at the moment and just allowing your eyes just to kind of drop down so you're not looking forward just to even feel your eyes um, and the muscles around your eyes just letting them go and when you're ready if you if you're able to just simply closing your eyes to bring you to you so we're not shutting out the world but it's quite a loving gesture just to close your eyes to be with yourself and then very simply focusing on the breath at the tip of the nose You may find that you're actually feeling your breath in your lungs and how lovely that can feel. And if you find you're getting distracted by what's around you, again, you just bring that focus back to the breath at the tip of the nose. Just giving permission to let go of your shoulders, letting your shoulders go. And if when you did that, you felt a shift, meaning that they might have been up a little bit, and then when you let go, 
they drop down. That's tension that you're holding in your body that you mightn't even be aware of. And then you're walking around with that all the time. And letting go of your abdominal muscles. Letting your thigh muscles go. Allowing your jaw just to let go. Allowing the muscles in your feet to let go. And again, if any of those areas of your body that you let go shifted or you felt a change, it's showing you tension that you're holding, again, that you might not even be aware of. And by giving yourself permission to let go, your body is responding beautifully to go, thank you, and you get to feel more of your natural state. Just feeling the warmth of the breath at the tip of the nose. You may find that you're starting to feel more tenderized, more tender, more gentle as you bring that focus back to you. Right now, because you're more connected to your body, you're more aware of what's needed and more able to deal with the tensions that are happening around you, just observing it, going, no, I'm staying here with me. I'll observe it and then I can respond, but not take it on. And when you're ready in your own time, it's your meditation. Gently opening your eyes when you're ready to, if your eyes are closed. And just enjoying your body. Cool. And again, you know, when you're getting in the car, that's a time when you can just connect to your breath. Don't close your eyes, obviously. That wouldn't be good. Um, but when you wake up in the morning, you know, midday, lunchtime, when you're having your walk, afternoon, before you go to bed, that's a great time when you're lying in bed, just seeing what, what's consuming you or what you're thinking about and just going, no, I'm just going to have some space here just to be with my breath and put myself to sleep rather than just sleep with all of that going on. Mm -hmm. That, that brings great, us to Heidi. Yeah, that was great. Um, you know, I really felt the benefit of that instantly. So, um, so look, so thank you, everyone. As Nikki said, we're kind of, sorry, as Katie said, we're um, almost out of time. But thank you so much for participating. Um, thank you for your questions. Um, it's great to get those. Thanks for participating in the poll. The next session is um, on anxiety, stress, and overwhelm on the 4th of April at 12 p.m. I'll just flash that up on the screen. As Katie said earlier, you have to register for each session, so please do that. We'd love to have you um, here, here for next time. Um, if you need have any questions or need extra support, there's the web address 
info at parents at work.com.au. Um, love to hear from you. But um, thanks again, Katie. It was great to chat with yeah. you. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, everyone. I look forward to, to speaking to you next time. Yeah, Take I look care. forward to it. Bye for now. Bye.